We are here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hello. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Welcome back to the Greg and Matt Movie Chat, everyone. Today we are talking about Michael Keaton. Starting out in the early 80s as a stand-up comedian, Keaton worked on a number of comedies including Night Shift, Mr. Mom, and Johnny Dangerously. But after working with Tim Burton on the 1988 classic Beetlejuice and shifting gears into dramatic territory with Clean and Sober, Keaton's career changed. He was cast as Bruce Wayne in Batman, he got cast in laugh-a-minute comedies and serious dramas, and he was able to work with some of the greatest directors in Hollywood, including Quentin Tarantino and Ron Howard. But while the 90s were a blast, the 2000s essentially forgot about him. But in the 2010s, Michael Keaton's career has had a resurgence, and he's been doing some of his best work ever, even garnering serious awards recognition. So today, Greg and I will talk about the successes and failures of the greatest Batman ever. That's right, I made that fucking statement. <laughs> you want to get nuts? <laughs> you want to get fucking nuts? <laughs> he doesn't say fuck, but I I think it helps. Um, he does with his tone. His tone says fuck. His tone does say fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll definitely get into the Batman conversation later, but, later, but um, best Batman ever? Probably. The most interesting <laughs> Batman ever, at least. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because Christian Bale, you're like, well, yeah, no kidding. The guy's jacked. I mean, makes yeah. sense. But, I mean, this is Mr. Mom. You yeah, know? exactly. So not, only does he, not, not only does he fight crime, he changes the diapers, too, you know? <laughs> he does both. Um, A renaissance Batman. <laughs> Bat renaissance man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So before going into this podcast, how did you feel about Michael Keaton? I was I mostly just knew him as like Batman because <laughs> as a kid I watched all that, and it was it wasn't until recently when he had his resurgence that I started noticing like this dude can really act, and I right? should probably start going back to some of his older stuff. But oh. yeah, I was I was excited because he just has like this magnetic, crazy kind of pointy face you know yeah <laughs> yeah that's the thing like you always want to watch him like no matter what mm -hmm. he's doing you're like i'm that's michael fucking keaton i want to know what he's saying <laughs> i want to know what he's talking about you know yeah yeah that's what i love about him is that he's always like he, he seems to always be on you know like even if the movie is terrible he's usually at at, at best he's incredible and at worst he's he's okay you yeah know? There's but a few examples really... in here like that where yeah. the movie is crap and he is the best part of it and worth a oh, watch yeah. alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I didn't put it on the list here of the movies we're going to talk about, but Need for Speed, he is in. Um, and it's just funny that he's just a guy on a laptop in that movie. But <laughs> then again, when he was on screen, I was like, uh, I'll watch Michael Keaton. I mean, yeah. this movie kind of sucks, but I'll watch him. I'm, I'm enjoying him in it. He has a great energy. For the screen. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Amazing energy. And I, uh, yeah, and and we probably won't get it to, we're mainly kind of talking about movies, but he's he's done some, some stuff on TV and whatnot. He's done, like, SNL a couple times and whatnot, and he's always great. He's he's one of those hosts on SNL where if I hear he's hosting, I'll fucking watch it, you know? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm tuning in. 
Um, I can't say that with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say that with like Will Ferrell anymore. Even Will Ferrell, really? Like, eh. Yeah, like I saw him once and I was like, okay, that was all right. Wow. But like Michael Keaton still got some stuff for me, you know. Uh, yeah. He's just exciting. He's always exciting. Oh yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is that I feel like the 90s was really exciting because he did so many different things. And the 2010s has also kind of been like that for him, where he's doing a bunch of different movies and a bunch of different things. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. But I just really hope that he kind of sticks with that because I don't want him to have like a good decade and then a terrible decade like he had kind of so far where he's like, the 90s are fantastic. 2000s? Michael Keaton who? Yeah. And then 2010s. It's like, there we go. Now we're talking. He like fell off the face of the earth for a solid 10 years, it felt like. <laughs> yeah. And, and the movies dropped in quality. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He fell right out of Batman and into Herbie. Like, oh man. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. That's a downgrade um, for the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Oh man. I'd love to see a Batman movie, though, with, you know, Herbie in it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we fighting today? The Joker? No, Herbie. Ah, shit. God damn. Alrighty. Let's jump into some early comedies. The ones that we're kind of looking at are like Night Shift, Mr. Mom, Johnny Dangerously, Gung Ho, Touch and Go, uh, The Squeeze, and then, of course, Beetlejuice and The Dream Team. So what do you think of this this era of, of Michael Keaton where he's just doing like these laugh-a-minute comedies and... You know, doing where he's kind of just getting introduced to everybody, you know, like, yeah, Eaton, this is who he is. He's he's funny, but I don't think he's like the funniest person, even in some of these movies. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see the inklings of that, that crazy pointy eyebrow ness <laughs> of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like, some of these movies, I definitely think he's the funniest in, like, Night mm. Shift. But that's also because, like, I feel like he's supposed to be, you know? Like, he's the, he's not the grounded person in that movie. Like, everybody is kind of, he's kind of like the funny sidekick in that movie. The Henry Winkler's, like, oh, average Joe kind of right. thing, you know? How would so, you describe his comedic styling? Because it, it is unique, for sure. Yeah, you know, I I actually glad you said that because I've always wanted to say this uh, ever since that we decided that we were going to do a Michael Keaton episode. So watching his movies, I've kind of realized he's kind of like Kurt Russell meets Steve Martin because mm. he's not as quite as like hilarious and as bold as Steve Martin is, but he has Steve Martin isms like he's Steve Martin ish, you know, right. And then Kurt Russell is like this fucking he, I think he's badass, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh, Michael Keaton has kind of that, too. That kind of charisma, he, that kind of charisma. Yeah, but not quite as much as Kurt Russell does. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying Michael Keaton is a 50 cent version of Steve Martin or a 50 cent version of Kurt Russell. I'm not saying that at all. I'm actually saying he's probably more like diverse than both of those actors because he can go into either of those roles. You know, I maybe can't see uh, Michael Keaton doing, you know, fuck Like what's, what's a, like, I can't, I can't really see him doing like LA. Well, I actually could see him doing LA story, but I couldn't necessarily see him do like um, the jerk, you know, Steve Martin, but I could see him do uh, parenthood. 
Mm-hmm. And I could see him do Cheaper by the Dozen. And yeah. I could see him do Roxanne even. Um, and the same thing with like Kurt Russell. I, I, I can't see him as like Snake Plissken, but I could see him. I could see him in the thing. Yeah. You know? And I could see him in, in uh, Unlawful Entry. I could see him in some of these right. types of things. Do you get so, yeah. kind of like a Bill Murray energy from him sometimes in some of these comedies? I do. A little bit. I, I, I don't think he's quite as deadpan as Bill Murray is, but uh, I, 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 I get what you mean by the energy. Yeah. You know? That's Maybe kind of what so I was delivery. thinking. Yeah. Energy, not so much delivery, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I really I think he is a funny guy. Um But yeah, no, I was even watching some of his stand up because he did start in stand up. Yeah, how and is like, that? He's okay. He's not like this incredible like he's not like Dave Chappelle or anything like that. Right. But he's got some like decent bits and I mean like he even said too like he's kind of I think he's probably pretty grateful that he went into movies and didn't quite stick with stand up because I don't think he was a stand-up comedian type kind of guy. I think he was more of an actor. Yeah, I still can't picture um, what his his bits would be like. Yeah, I think he said like one of his bits was um like the in the video I watched was like sometimes you're in a really good mood and then like somebody's look can throw throw you in the therapy for a couple months or something <laughs> like that. Where it'd be like he'll be walking really confident down the street and somebody looks at you and goes <laughs> And then you're in therapy for like three months or whatever. Like that was, and I was like, okay, that's kind of funny, but like, it's not the most memorable bit. Like the only reason I remember that bit is because, you know, I watched it maybe half an hour before we hopped on here. So right, nothing that stood know, out. Nothing that really stood out. No, and in fact, I kind of after that I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. And then I kind of started doing my own my own thing. Like it was a five minute video, and I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> but I I don't think he was bad by any means. It wasn't like he, he, you know, he was the kind of comedian, I think, if you were at the bar and he was performing in the background, you wouldn't want to shoot yourself. But you also wouldn't be like, oh, what? This guy's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You're not coming yeah. to the bar for that. No, no. If he's there, you won't leave. That's kind of the best <laughs> thing I can say. But, um... Compared to that, I think in movies he's he works really well because he's not he's way more memorable in the he's comedies. Way more memorable, yeah. And I mean, like I think that's just the thing. Like I think somebody just needs to be like, hey, look, you have other people to bounce off of, which I think is I think it's way easier to be in a movie than it is to be a stand up comedian as well because stand up is like you're by yourself, you yeah. Know? Like you're that's you writing and doing that, you know. Like maybe you got a partner who helps you write, but that's about it. Yeah, know? if it goes wrong though on that stage, it's all you. It's all you. Yeah, <laughs> they're not saying like, "Hey, you wrote it with this guy. You guys suck. It's you suck." <laughs> yeah, you alone are terrible. Yeah, but in these movies, I I think he's actually really, I think he's pretty funny. You yeah, know? and he's at least charming. Even if the movie's not the funniest, he's at least charming. Always. He's always charming, which is funny, too, because he's not really a conventional, you know, good-looking type of guy. Like, he's good-looking for sure, but not in a traditional way. He's not, like, uh, he doesn't have, like, Kurt Russell looks. He just has his own looks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's got, he's got, I think you said, like, he's got kind of a receding hairline Mm -hmm. that's not, he doesn't have the greatest hair, not the most full head of hair. Mm -hmm. Um. 
And I find his around his lips, he's got like very like harsh dimples kind of thing. Right. Like by his lips. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, no, yeah. I for sure was li- thinking of that too. Yeah. But I mean, he is a good looking guy. Like I definitely, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, if he was playing at a bar and I, that I was at, I would be like, I mean, it's not hard to look at. No, know? no, not at all. <laughs> Especially in those younger days. Like, I, I think he looked oh, yeah. really good in uh, Mr. Mom. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure, yeah. But let's talk about Beetlejuice, though. I mean... <laughs> Want me some Beetlejuice tonight. He looks like he smells bad. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he smells like cockroaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I love him yeah, in no. that, though. Oh, yeah. No, he's fantastic. But you saw Mr. Mom and Johnny Dangerously for this podcast. Yeah. Um, as well as Beetlejuice, but we'll get to that in a second. Tell me about Mr. Mom and Johnny Dangerously. What did you think of those? I really like Mr. Mom as a John Hughes movie. That's that's the John Hughes movie that put John Hughes on the map, right? That was kind of... I think he got, um, I don't know, several picture deal after the success of that. And I can see oh, why. Oh, yeah, probably. Because it has all yeah. those hallmarks of John Hughes' suburban comedy oh, yeah. with a wholesome moral. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Keaton was the perfect guy to play it because he 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 even gets into that unhinged territory when he's stuck at home and kind of living the life that his, his stay-at-home wife had to live for a long time. And yeah, so I love that. Right? Yeah, doesn't he? I it's been a few years since I've seen it, but doesn't he start like hallucinating and stuff? Like <laughs> yeah, that? Like, he hallucinates <laughs> from the soap operas that he gets into and all that. <laughs> it was so good. I love that. And even oh, just man. when he's intimidated by the wife's boss, he like comes to the door with a chainsaw just to like, you know, show like like I don't know, claim his territory. It, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I, I I remember thinking, yeah, like this guy's really charming and really fun to watch. Um, and he was just, yeah, he, he was just likable, mm-hmm. you know? And I know this movie's kind of dated because, of course, you know, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, and that's, like, the joke or whatever, but... Yeah. I don't know. I, I I thought it was, like, a fun movie. I don't think it's meant to be this, like, comment on sexism or anything like that. Yeah. It's just meant to be a fun comedy about a guy who's who's staying at home taking care of the yeah. kids. Yeah. I mean it's know? it's all it's dated mostly watching it. I think I watched it last night or two nights ago. It's dated mostly in that like I cannot imagine one person bringing in the income for a household with three children. But like the actual gender oh, yeah. stuff was not that bad at all really. There yeah. it was he was surprisingly comfortable once he had figured out how to clean the house with being the stay-at-home dad, and there was no yeah. insecurity around that or toxicity, it was, it was it was pretty solidly told. It really is about him going through the trials of taking care of a household and learning to be proud of of housework. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Like it felt uh, the way you're describing it. It sounds more like it's just about just becoming kind of an adult. You know, yeah. More than yes. It is about, more than it is about like. Oh my god, like he's complaining that he has to do the dishes and his wife can't do it. And I'm like, "Well, now you're kind of you're kind of rewriting the movie to fit some, you know, kind of political agenda, which I don't think is the case at all. Like it's just it's literally just about growing up." You no, know? it really was like he is trying his best by the end to just yeah. have beyond just, you know, work 
in a corporation or a factory or work at home. Like, he just wants something to be proud of. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, that's a good message, too, because, I mean, like, who who just wants to do one job and then yeah. have nothing else, you know? Like, this is kind of nice that he... It, I, that's the thing I liked about it is that I think at the end he goes back to work, I think, right? Yeah. That's the thing I liked is that, you know, like in the future, like if this happened again, like if he had to stay at home and whatnot, he'd probably be like, he'd probably be more comfortable with it because now he's kind of learned how to deal with it and whatnot. Yeah. So, that I like. That aspect of it I liked. Definitely. But yeah, I know you said that you, this one was, this one was, uh, this one was good, huh? Yeah. I love, I love Mr. Mom. I would definitely rewatch that. It's one I definitely oh, yeah. show any potential future kids too. Like it's just, it's just a fun all around family movie. Yeah. Yeah, who else was in this? Was there anybody? Terry Gar, that's who I was thinking of. There was a few. Uh, um, Christopher Lloyd, Jeffrey Tambar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Those are the two that stood out to me. Christopher <laughs> Lloyd also has like brown hair, and it's super weird. That's that's odd. That's <laughs> that's really weird too because he. Um, this was eighty three, and Back to the Future was eighty five, and he does not have brown hair. And not Back at all. Future. It is extremely, extremely white. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't recognize. I recognized him by his voice more than his looks in in Mister Mom. <laughs> Great Scott! Yeah, like oh, okay, you're in this. Great, great to see you. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see why yeah. this launched both John Hughes and kind of continued accelerating Michael Keaton's career because, of course, he had, oh, yeah. he had Night Shift before that, but this kind of was another one in the can. Oh yeah. Yeah, he definitely had a one-two punch with Mr. Mom and Night Shift that kind of just was like boom, boom, and there he is. You yeah. know, it's yeah, um, yeah. I'll talk about Night Shift just briefly. I, I I don't remember it super well, but I do remember it being a really fun movie. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I think I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was like, um, you know, it had to do with like a little bit of like prostitution. That was kind of the the thing i <laughs> like they started a whorehouse or something like that right and um oh my god i'm looking it up right now it's saying um a young <laughs> a young kevin costner was in it as frat boy number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no i love that but no this was like his very first movie and yeah no this was this was funny i just remember he, he having a couple monologues and a couple scenes where you're just like wow this is fucking hilarious like this guy is just he he's kind of the crazy best friend in that movie but yeah you know. th- that's interesting to hear cuz that continues throughout early yeah. on it's like an undercurrent where he can turn on the crazy and eventually <laughs> that becomes kind of one of his key traits Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, hey, man, a little bit of crazy can go a long way. And I think that he has a lot of crazy that goes miles and miles. It's it's those um, pointy eyebrows. It's pointy eyebrows. <laughs> um, And then Johnny Dangerously was the other one that you watched. Um, mm-hmm. I saw it a few years ago. So what, what did you think of that one? It's kind of trying to be a Mel Brooks uh, gangster comedy parody. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Like, there are, I, especially in that first... I don't know, maybe 20 minutes. It's like back to back, really great joke. And it just kind of petered out for me a little. Yeah. Um, but I would say the same. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Keaton's really charismatic and stuff. I don't think it's as obviously this movie isn't going to have a crazy range because it's just a wacky parody. So. Oh, yeah. It's I wouldn't say it's a must really for his comedies. I think he's he's been funnier and other stuff. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, That's yeah. No, that's it's very true. Yeah, that 
that's the one thing I liked about this movie is that it is like a very high energy type movie mm-hmm. where it is just like very fun. And I'm looking at it right now. It's like a, it's a tight 90 minute movie. Like it's very, you know, it's just comedy, joke, 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 joke. And you're in your yeah, out. That's kind of it. Yeah, that's kind of it. There was nothing like much else to it. It's just kind of, you know, boom. There you go. I I enjoy that when I saw it, but yeah, no, it's not one that I remember really well. That's a good point, though, that you make about it being like a, a wannabe Mel Brooks thing. It does kind of feel like a 50 cent, you know, yeah. Mel Brooks thing. Like Blazing Saddles wasn't on Netflix, but Johnny Dangerously was. So you're like, okay, well. Johnny Dangerously it is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, not not a terrible, terrible choice. Yeah, you know? that I would recommend it mostly to people who love mel brooks stuff and maybe hadn't mm-hmm. heard of johnny dangerously before yeah yeah like if I, I i'd recommend this to like really big fans of like space balls yeah that really like gangster movies i'd be like oh johnny dangerously perfect movie for you yeah um i love that i have to recommend that to like the smallest demographic in the world you <laughs> they, know? they're out there <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a huge star wars fan that loves space ball and you Spaceballs, and you also have to love 30s gangster movies and just be craving a parody of those types of movies, which I'm like, okay, yeah. So all three of you, Johnny Dangerously it is. Yes. Uh, okay, let's get to a good one here. Beetlejuice. I love this movie so much. This was my, this was one of my very formative movies as a kid. Oh. Actually, I think you can see in the background right there, I have a poster down there of Beetlejuice. It's kind of covered a little, but that that's one that got me into horror even as a kid, because it's like a oh, gateway. Yeah. yeah, I can see it now also. I can see your poster. Oh man, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is like a, a gateway horror movie. It's like a... Like I don't know, like uh, like a like a poltergeist for kids. Yeah. Like, like I don't know, you know, something like that. Yeah, poltergeist. I mean, also I think was rated PG, which I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck would you do that to everybody? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely kind of like a like a horror movie just for for children. Yeah, I miss I miss that kind of Tim Burton too. Um, it just felt realer, I guess, because now if I yeah. go into a Tim Burton movie, I think, okay, well. It, everything's gonna kind of look like it's a composite or you know some cartoony green screen but this all felt oh, yeah. so i don't know surrealistic yeah. but like in a real way oh yeah oh, for sure yeah i i didn't get a chance to rewatch this one but i did watch batman returns again we'll get to that in a minute yeah but um yeah no i just i miss this like you don't see movies like this anymore no you know? You really don't. Which I just, I really miss. And I and I miss Tim Burton being, like, amazing. I know we talked about it in our Disaster Artist one. I think you, I can't remember if you said it off the air or if you did say it in the Disaster Artist episode. But um, you said Ed Wood was probably his last great movie. Yeah, that might be even my favorite of his. Although it's less stylish, probably. It's less oh, yeah. Tim Burton stylish. But I just like, I like that when he kind of, I don't know, subtle, yeah. uses that subtlety. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I miss Tim Burton when he's, like, on. Like, when Tim Burton is on, you're like, whoa, this is so good, Mm -hmm. you know? And, I mean, like, Sweeney Todd is fantastic, and, like, all those are, like, great. But, like, Batman Returns and, like, Batman, like, those ones, and Beetlejuice, like, that has, like, a 
like a hypnotic style to them where you're like, oh, yeah. Man, Have I you ever seen this. um this German movie called Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? I've heard of that, yeah. actually, but I haven't seen it. The architecture from that, if you like that kind of dreamy, nightmarish quality that Tim Burton's worlds had in Batman and Beetlejuice and all that, I, yeah. I recommend that because it's, it's a oh, similar yeah. kind of, yeah, I think it's called expressionism. Yeah. It's 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 really good. Oh wow! Dropping the terms. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely, I'll definitely check that one out because um, I, I think it's like the whole thing is on YouTube or something like that. I think it's like public domain. Yeah, it's really old. But yeah, no, uh, Beetlejuice. I remember that being a movie that like everybody saw as a kid. Yeah, like I remember when it was on TV. Like it was like a, it was an event. Like I remember there was this one time it was on like Saturday night or something like that. And I, I don't know why. I, I don't think I, I... I didn't love this movie, like, all that much as a kid. I don't know why, but I think I was just a weird kid. Because there was a lot of movies where I'm like, you know, I'm quirky. I'm different. I don't I don't like the... Uh, I don't love the movies that everybody else loves, you know? <laughs> I'm not like other kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Back to the Future Part 3, actually, you know? Um, you know, I think it's better than the first two. No, it fucking wasn't. Idiot. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So, like... I remember it was like Saturday night and it was on like uh Teletoon or something like that at night. And then like I went to Sunday school the next day and like every kid's like You see Beetlejuice last night? You check it out. You check it out. Yeah. Oh my god, that part. I watched it right before I went to bed, man. Like it was crazy. I was up at nine o'clock. Holy shit, man. It's fucking ridiculous. It's but it was crazy. a movie that made kids feel like they're watching something they shouldn't be watching, even though exactly. it is overwhelmingly appropriate for that age exactly group. right and i was watching like a clip from it yesterday and it was the scene where he's he's just like he's like i've been around for so long i've seen the exorcist 167 times and it keep getting funnier every time like i was like that is the most like bold line in probably the whole movie <laughs> and it's really not that bad but it it does have that effect where it's like Hey, this one's gonna end at nine thirty, so Ooh. Ooh, you know <laughs> you're getting close to ten o'clock. Ooh, it's getting past your bedtime, so yeah, man. What did you think of his... Keaton in this? I'm gonna be honest, like I I never really believed it was Keaton until like the other day when I saw a couple like clips from it. Right, he's, he's unrecognizable. He's, so he's unrecognizable, and I think that that says a lot about his performance because you're like. That's not Michael. There's no way that's Michael Keaton. Like, come on. Give me a break. Yeah. That's Batman. Come on. It's hard to Stop. believe. It is. It really is. Yeah. I love his performance in that one, though. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these comedies, I just, I don't know. I could never really get into. Like, the Dream Team didn't really work for me. Um, that one, I don't know if you ever saw any of that. That one was, like, these four, like, uh guys in like a mental institution like they kind of oh. get like lost in the city yeah i just never really it, christopher lloyd and peter boyle were in that one as well okay and it never really i don't know it just didn't really work for me like i couldn't really i didn't find it all that funny you know and it was just i don't know i i, I felt like the butt of the joke at some points was oh these guys have like they're like crazy and i'm like okay uh 
they just seem like it just kind of made me feel bad because i'm like they just seem mentally ill like i, I feel yeah. kind of bad laughing at them you know like oh yeah that's that's and I, a strange and I know one. it's a movie it's just a it's just a movie it's not meant to be like offensive or anything especially in like the 80s it's just lighthearted, you know yeah but i was like i just kind of feel bad laughing at these guys <laughs> they're just they're just trying to <laughs> do their own thing and man we're just making fun of them i don't i don't like that yeah but, um, yeah but I mean, hey man, I I appreciate that he was taking risks and that he was doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Overall, I'm glad though that he took the biggest risk and went more into like from ha- doing overwhelmingly comedic movies, going into more serious stuff, switching gears like that. Yeah, and that is our next uh, segment here, or not segment, but like our next little uh, group of movies is his more dramatic work, which is. Uh, Clean and Sober, the Batman movies, Batman and Batman Returns, Pacific Heights, Desperate Measures, One Good Cop, Much Ado About Nothing, My Life, The Paper, and Jackie Brown. Um, so you just saw Clean and Sober. Yeah. What did you think of this? It, it's really underrated. Nobody talks about this. I had right? never heard about it till you mentioned it. I know, right? I love this movie. I, I um, Yeah, I, I think this movie's so good, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's uh, Michael Keaton doing this role. Yeah, he carries it. Yeah, oh yeah, he definitely does. And I actually can't see anybody else doing this role the way that he did it, because he brings a lot of levity to it. Like, this movie could have been really depressing, Mm -hmm. but he has, uh, he brings like a charm and a a charisma to it that not a lot of other actors could bring. And this is actually the role that pretty much helped him get the role of Batman. That makes a lot of sense. Because he can do, like, strung out, unwell, but he can also do, like, control of his life fully, which is kind of two sides of Batman, you know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and this movie was so interesting, too, because, like, I I knew it was about addiction Mm -hmm. um, going into it. And I kind of like movies about addiction. I like movies about recovery and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I find them kind of interesting. And I was like, what better than taking like one of my favorite actors and taking a movie, like a formula I really like and just mixing them together. Um, but I like that at this, at the beginning of this movie, it just starts like it just, it just is like, boom, you're into it. You yeah. know, like it starts with a monologue about um, addiction and whatnot. And you're like, okay. And then it introduces Michael Keaton as an addict. And you know, he's sleeping next to a girl and she's basically like needs to be carried out on a stretcher because she's overdosed. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, like this movie is not even, it doesn't even do the classic like first 20 minutes, you get to know the character, you get to know that lead up to these events. It just is like, boom. Yeah. Right away you're like, this yeah. dude needs to get sober. And he, he doesn't really realize it until maybe like, I don't know, halfway through where he thinks he just needs to get somewhere to live. But what he really, exactly. what he really needs is is sobriety. It, it, it was well oh, done. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing I liked about this movie too. Is that like he's he's going to rehab for the totally wrong reasons. Like he's going to rehab. He's going to the one place he needs to be, but he's going there to hide out from authorities, not to actually try and get sober. Yeah, you know, he thinks he's just going to play everyone and that he doesn't have a problem. Yeah. And that's the thing that I that I liked about this movie is that like he's kind of in denial, and then it takes an interesting route in the second half where it where it's he he actually leaves the re- I don't want to spoil too much of this, but because because it is an underrated movie and, and I would highly recommend it to everybody mm-hmm. um, to go see this one. 
but the in the second half when he leaves the rehab institution and he becomes like focused on somebody else's life yeah basically that i actually thought was really interesting because it's like now it's kind of showing like the dependency of an addiction and whatnot right like when you're getting clean sometimes when you depend on somebody else that's actually really unhealthy because that'll that can just that can if anything happens there that can lead you right back down the rabbit hole yeah he might not be abusing anymore but he's still dependent right he just switched gears onto what he's dependent on exactly yeah and that's the thing i really liked and then it was just you see a lot of his character like you see kind of an arc there with his character like in the first half he seems very like self-serving and whatnot and then in the second half he's like okay well i want to help this person out because i really care about this person Mm -hmm. you know and i that's something i really enjoyed um yeah yeah if you haven't seen clean and sober check it Check it the fuck out now. I also have a theory, a fan theory, oh, yes. that his character Daryl from Clean and Sober is actually Beetlejuice before Beetlejuice dies. <laughs> <laughs> They're both kind of mean. At, I mean, a Daryl goes through an arc, so he's not so mean at the end, but right. I just got, I kind of got Beetlejuice vibes at some point. <laughs> <laughs> In, in a dramatic way, not like it didn't take me out, but I was like, is he kind of doing the Beetlejuice thing? It does kind of seem like that. Like, like, um, what was it like that Heath Ledger movie, like Hard Candy, where he's like a heroin addict? Like, I think someone made a video about that and it was like, oh, this is like how the Joker became the Joker, you know, <laughs> yes. and it's showing him go through like a life of addiction. Like, that's clean and sober and for Beetlejuice, yeah, though, you know, Beetlejuice origins. <laughs> I hate that I can actually see that, you know. <laughs> it's like watch the first watch the first like 40 minutes of uh Clean It's Over. Like watch up until the point cuz he he leaves the rehab facility and then he ends up coming back. Yeah. You know? Like there's one part where he's like, "Ah, I don't have a problem" and he leaves. It's like just watch that and then watch Beetlejuice and it's like the before and after <laughs> of a fucking life of addiction, you know? Oh man. He became so addicted, he invented time travel and was able to go way back in time and then become Beetlejuice <laughs> over the periods of, like, lifetimes and lifetimes. Yes. Jesus Christ. But, yeah, really good movie. Just please oh, yeah. watch it if you like, if you haven't seen it and if you like good performances and if you like oh, yeah. movies. 100%. And this one, too, like, I love when comedians do dramatic performances. Mm-hmm. So this one I have to give credit to because this is, like... You know, he's done a bunch of dramatic performances, but this is the one that, like, made him a dramatic actor as well as a comedian, Mm -hmm. you know? It's stronger even than his comedic roles. I think so, too. Yeah, I find find that's the thing, too, with a lot of comedians and dramatic work is that I think comedy is so hard. Yeah. That when a comedian is doing it for so long that when they actually do a dramatic role, it's so much easier for them because... They've been doing something way harder for so long, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, I don't know. I feel like you see that with a lot of people. Like, when you see, like, Vince Vaughn in a dramatic performance, you're like, well, this guy's been doing comedies for, like, 20 years. And then he's like, okay, I'll do something serious. And it's like, <laughs> well, now now you're laughing, you know? Now you're having, like, the easiest time doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what I think is here, too, is that he's... This is this is what kind of made me realize this performance actually in Clean and Sober is what made me realize what makes a, a dramatic actor or a comedian do so well in dramatic performances is that he's so charming in it and that he brings so much levity to a movie that could have been really depressing. Yeah. 
and yeah. it makes it actually really watchable. What What do you think that is? Do you think like you just it's you, you're kind of loosened up to do a drama, whereas for comedy, you're, you're trying to really control the room and the energy because you can really be honest with your reactions and emotions. I guess in a drama, you have to let go, but comedy is very much about like controlling a reaction. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point, and I think. Not even, like, in that regard. I think what it is is just, I feel like so many, like, I think this is kind of, like, something every comedian seems to say, which makes me, like, a little bit concerned as somebody who, like, goes into comedy and whatnot. They say, like, comedians are the most, like, damaged people. Right. Or something like that. So I'm just like, okay, well, like, and I mean, like, laughing is, like, a defense mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, if you're uncomfortable, you'll laugh and whatnot. Um. So I don't I don't see it as much as like you're trying to control somebody else's reaction, but more it's just it's the person themselves, you know. Right. So they're trying to make somebody laugh, and they're doing something funny or saying something funny or having a a funny perspective. It's it's all like a defense mechanism, but you you're laughing like kind of with them through it, you know. Right. But you're in a covering drama, something. Yeah, but in like a uh, a drama, it's like you're taking off that layer, and you're not. You're you're showing your insecurities, but when you are being funny at that point, it's like it it's more dramatic because now it's it feels like you're trying to cover something up. Mm. Um, but this time we can see what you're trying to cover up. We're we're not you know blinded to it. You know, right? That's interesting. If that makes any sense, yeah, that does. <laughs> but this one's a great movie, and I would definitely check it out. Yeah, one um, of the best. Oh yeah, and then yeah, like I said, this is one that helped him get the role in Batman. As they were trying to cast Batman, I can't remember who exactly they were. They were trying to cast, but I believe that they were looking at a bunch of different actors. I think. Um, let me. Oh, I got the list right here. So they were ca- They were considering a bunch of um, Hollywood top stars. They were considering Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, uh, Tom Selleck, oh, Bill wow. Murray. <laughs> Uh, Harrison Ford (laughs) and uh, Dennis Quaid and then I think they um, they also were like uh, Tim Burton was pressured to take uh, what do you call it Pierce Brosnan Hmm. oh yeah I'm looking right at the um, the Wikipedia page so this is from Wikipedia it's not the most accurate but who cares you know it's probably a source Um, at the bottom somewhere there is actually there is one right next to it so (laughs) i got it um producer john peters suggested michael keaton arguing he had the right edgy tormented quality after having seen his dramatic performance in clean and sober having directed keaton in beetlejuice burton agreed so that right there just shows yeah oh yeah no this guy is like i'm so glad they went with keaton because like those other guys are kind of no-brainers but keaton's batman it's got it's got a level of crazy to it that is fitting for that type of movie for for a Tim Burton Batman movie. Exactly. And that's the thing too like surprisingly out of all of these actors like Harrison Ford, Dennis Quaid, Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Pierce Brosnan, I think I just said Pierce Brosnan, I'm not sure. The only one that I'm like maybe could have worked for Tim Burton's Batman surprisingly is Bill Murray. Because there's something about this where it's it feels like a this movie feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, you know, it doesn't 
doesn't feel like a it's not like a real movie it's not like oh my god this could actually like happen you know like obviously no not. it's not it's, the it's real fu- world <laughs> it's fucking batman you know right and i but love that too i love that yeah i love that it doesn't feel like it could ever happen because i mean like it feels like a comic book come to life you know yeah i'm so bored of like that that hyper realistic batman thing that's so heavily leaned on like it's not it's not realistic and that's fun yeah, exactly. Like, I kind of hate, after watching, um, I, I wouldn't say, I, I don't mean I hate, but I love I love the Christopher Nolan Batmans, but after watching the Michael Keaton, like, Batman Returns and Batman, I saw, I've, I just haven't seen Batman, like, with Michael Keaton in a few years, but I absolutely love it. Like, I think it's phenomenal. But at the end of the day, it's a guy in a fucking cape dressing up as a bat and yeah. fighting crime. It's like, do you really, I mean, like, let's just take that in for a second. Like they, Christopher Nolan, the director of Memento, he made a serious movie. He made a trilogy about a guy who dresses up as a fucking bat and fights people. It was cool to try and ground that in reality, but yeah, I really want them to let go of of that idea because... There's yeah. so much more potential with that world. Like I love the oh, yeah. way even just Gotham looks in this movie. It's oh, unlike know, right. any other Gotham. Yeah, that's the thing. And like I love the. I don't want anyone to think I don't love the Christopher Nolan movies because I absolutely do. I think they're great. Yeah, but, but for a different reason. Know. But for different reasons, exactly. Like I'm not watching those. Like oh my god, this is such a like a fun movie. You know, like I, I kind of want Batman to be fun. You know, like those ones make it like sad i'm like okay well, it's stressful yeah it's very <laughs> Which is stressful. a good movie but yeah because they feel they don't really feel like comic book movies they feel like um they feel like crime movies with batman in them you yeah know? which works for those it it, it works that that time <laughs> <laughs> i really hope that this one. upcoming one is not like that though like i want yeah i like my detective ninja batman but please make it stylish and more than just like real life. I don't want that. Exactly. I don't want it to just look yeah. like Chicago or something. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, even with like the 1989 Batman, like for a long time, I really loved Jack Nicholson. And I was like, it was actually hard for me to let go of that and be like, Heath Ledger is the best Joker. Cause I, def- I definitely think Heath Ledger is the, is the best Joker. hundred mm-hmm. percent. But like for a long time, I was like, "Hey, man, Jack Nicholson is awesome." Like, let's not forget about how great he was in that movie. Yeah, that that's another thing, though. Too both for for Nicholson and Keaton in this, and the way they're written is like they're not like like I I think maybe Nolan's characterization of them was more true to the the source material. But mm. I like that this is a movie, so we're gonna do something different. Because if you want, you know, the real the real Joker or the real Batman. You got that in a book. You got that in a comic book. We're going to just tell a really different story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That I, that I really liked. It's not the most comics accurate, but that's kind of like, you know, it's, it's fresh. That's the kind of thing that I fucking hate about these people who are like, Oh, comic accurate. It's not, it's not accurate to the way that it was in the comics. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you just read the fucking comics? Yeah. No one's going to take those away from you. (laughs) Yeah, they exist. <laughs> it's not like we're. It's not like we're saying like, okay, we're gonna make a movie, so we're gonna send some uh, FBI agents to come to your house. <laughs> They're gonna take away all your comic books, and we're gonna burn them. 
but don't worry you're gonna get you're gonna get the movie at that point then it's like i understand if you're like hey that's not comic accurate don't do that you know yeah because it's never happened else. but that's <laughs> exactly do you understand how weird that would be if people did that how fucked up that would be but if based on how people react yeah. online you'd think that's what they're doing when they change the comics and i'm like a lifelong I mean, comics right. reader and I don't yeah. go to the movies to watch a comic book. I, I sit at home and read a comic book. <laughs> exactly, right? And that's why I think I like these movies so much, is that they feel like you're watching a comic book, but they are very different. You yeah. Know? Or they, they feel like the a best. Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the style in these movies, I'll take over the style in, like, the Nolan movies. Because, like, again, mm-hmm. like, the Nolan movies are great. I, I, lo- I love them. They're awesome. But, like, it's, it's more just personal preference. Like, I'm not even saying this is just a... Movies are subjective, you know, like people always there are going to be people who love Christian Bale's Batman the most. There are going to be people who love Ben Affleck's Batman the most. That's a that's an argument that I've heard, you know. Yeah. Um, And I, I just haven't seen enough of them to really make a opinion, but I'm not going to, you know, say like, no, like you're wrong. But yeah, no, I just I think you got to accept that it's going to be something different. And the thing I like so much about Michael Keaton's performance in this movie is that he's actually, like, it's the levity that he brings to this movie. Because I feel like when I look at it, like, when I look at Christian Bale's performance, it just seems like he's very just kind of pissed off all the time. Like, he's, he's brooding. He's always he's brooding, brooding. Yeah. Which, it works for the movie. But, like, if you're going to say, like, hey, man, like... What's what's Christian Bale's best performance? Um, Batman never really comes to mind. You know, no. I'm like, I'm like Psycho. I'm like the fighter. Yeah, you know, and you know why those come to mind too is because there's levity in those movies too. There's just like, range in general. Exactly. I just don't feel like he has the most range in the Nolan movies. I'm really trying not to get crucified on the <laughs> internet here. Um. And again, I love him. I think he's one of the best Batmans ever. He's definitely, he's probably the most realistic Batman, you know? Yes, 100%. Yeah. But also, like I said, this is a guy dressing up in a cape. Yeah. To fight crime. I want some of that crazy. Like, I want to yeah. see it in his eyes where, like, yeah. he, he's just as unhinged as the Joker. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love that about him. I got a shout oh, out yeah. to Batman Returns too because surprisingly, I kind of like it more than eighty nine Batman. All of a sudden, what? It's <laughs> so much. Eighty nine Batman was really cool, but watching them back to back, Batman Returns was so much more dynamic and kind of weirdly non traditional, especially compared to all the stuff we see now. Like it's so weird mm-hmm. and gross, and there's a lot of energy to it. It's really not, yeah. it's barely a Batman movie, though. I will say that. Oh, like, yeah. it's more of a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> yeah. I know I just said that movies are subjective, but you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I totally I get will that. accept that, because I even, even <laughs> I myself question hearing that out of my mouth, but like, I can't help it. I literally watched it twice in a row <laughs> when we were doing yeah, no. this. Hey, man, no, I, I can agree with that, because I watched Batman Returns last night, and I had a fucking blast. I thought it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, my I have a couple issues with Batman Returns. Um. My main issue is that I hate that there's like three villains in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I just I think this is probably the movie that takes three villains and does it probably the best. Like I feel like you know 
what other movie did that? Spider-Man 3. This one probably did a better job balancing those three villains than yeah. Spider-Man 3 did. The only other the one, time. funny enough, is The Dark Knight, too. That one had three villains that worked really well. They were balanced. Oh, shit. Because you yeah. had Scarecrow in the opening, and then Joker for the bulk of it, and then at the end, Harvey Dent. That's true. Yeah. That one... See, that one works because, like, they bring up the one, and then they ditch him you know yeah it's never so, three at once never three at once this one was like three at once and it's like okay this is so overwhelming you know um that batman barely gets screen time well yeah in the first 30 minutes he pops up once yeah it's it called batman returns is it not because when is he returning <laughs> honestly like the first 30 seconds the first 30 minutes of this movie i was like I feel like this movie should be called Batman. I'll be there in one second. You know, like <laughs> Batman, Batman lives in the city. <laughs> Batman somewhere. Where is he? <laughs> you know? Batman 1989. And then the sequel Batman. One second. Hang on. <laughs> My cape got sucked. Got stuck again. Jesus. Um, you know, this one. Yeah. I also I really don't like Christopher Walken's like. Just, just why, you know, like I just, I, I just didn't really care for him in this movie. No, I just, yeah. like I don't, I don't think he's bad. I just think his character was just like I don't really give a fuck about like the finances of the city and shit. Like I just kind of want to see Catwoman, you know? Yeah, I think they were trying to do like an evil Bruce Wayne thing with him, but I agree, <laughs> it was definitely the the most underbaked, yeah, character. Yeah, and then at one point he just kind of disappeared. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're done with him. Yeah. Also, his name is Max Shrek, which is <laughs> really hard to take seriously after a while. Yeah, and it's not even the movie's fault because this came out like ten years before Shrek did. So I, I actually kind of feel bad for this movie. But also, I was picturing Shrek like as a villain. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny though because they were like, um, there's one point where where Batman. Or Bruce Wayne, he says to Selena Kyle, he's like, hey, so you work for Shrek, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like, yeah, donkey. Oh, man. <laughs> Terrible. The Gotham Swamp. Alrighty. Well, we had a great Batman discussion. Holy. So much. Um, yeah. You know what? This is actually a great, uh, great place to go because we talked about him playing a hero. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Michael Keaton as a villain. You saw Desperate Measures. What did you think? It's so bad, but I love it. It's like it's trying so hard to be diehard. It's got yeah. it's got the the elevator shaft sequence. It's got crawling through vents. It's got walkie talkie communication with the villain. Like, dude. But it's it's so as if you stop and question, even just from the first five minutes, like the the actual premise, you're just like, this is the dumbest shit ever. But it's so fast paced. Keaton is just eating up the scenery. It's so entertaining. I will absolutely be rewatching this. It's an hour and a half of just nonstop action. Oh my god, dude! I really want to see this. I might honestly rent this today and watch it. I recommend it. It just looks so like I remember seeing it. Also, does he have a southern accent in this movie? He does, but there's moments where he kind of loses it, especially when he's shouting. (laughs) When he's shouting, he's just like, "Let's get nuts!" Like. (laughs) <laughs> so that's the voice he's doing. Oh man, I love that. 
Yeah, no, I can't wait to see it. Him and Andy Garcia, holy. It's fun. I'm so Everyone was really good in this, too, for how bad the story is. Like, it's an expertly made bad idea, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It's like a terrible, terrible script, but it was directed by, you know, like, um, John McTiernan or some shit like that. Like, Mm -hmm. the guy who made Die Hard. Is that his name? John McTiernan? Is that who did it? It sounds right. He directed Predator. He directed Die Hard. He directed Hunt for Red October. So I think that we can, um, I think that we can count on him. I'm just, I'm just a little shocked because I'm looking at his Wikipedia and it's saying, um, he pleaded guilty to perjury and lying to an FBI investigator in regard to his hiring a private investigator. I'm like, what the fuck? What? Is he living like John McClane or something? Yeah, he was incarcerated in federal prison from April 2013 to February 2014. Oh, man. I don't think he's making many movies anymore. Let's just say that. That is wild. But Holy. but yeah, I, I like Desperate Measures. It's 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 very much a callback to a, a gone era of action movies. And I'm not saying oh. that's, a, that's a bad thing that that era is gone because clearly it was getting stale. But if oh, yeah. if you watch it as a really well made parody of eighties action movies that came out in nineteen ninety eight, it's so entertaining and so well made. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I I can't wait to check this one out. I'm I'm actually really excited. I kind of saw it and I was like, eh. like it's seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but... no, it's it deserves that. <laughs> hey, if you if you say that it's a it's a well made bad movie, I'm gonna see it. Mm-hmm. I I I give you my. My trust. I'll I'll check it out. I will absolutely um, be rewatching it. Yeah, you know what? You sh- I'm I will not be rewatching is Pacific Heights. Really? Um, yeah, I didn't like this very much. Um, this is a little so older than Desperate Measures, right? This came out. Yeah, while... this one was like 1991 or something, and then Desperate Measures was like 98, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. 98. Yeah, I'm right. Okay. Sounds correct. I'm always right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who needs facts? Che- fact checks. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, Pacific Heights is Matthew Modine and Melanie Griffith. They own like an apartment building kind of thing. And Michael Keaton moves in. And he's like this terrible, terrible, like, um, what do you call it? Like um, A tenant? Like just, just he lives. What do you call a person who lives in a hotel or, or, or in an apartment building? Like- in in. A tenant or uh... tenant? Yeah, tenant. That's what it is. I love that I can't. I uh, I just went. Oh yeah, I'm always right. I don't need a fact check. What do you call a person who lives in an apartment building? Um, I can't seem to remember what it's called. <laughs> you were just but checking if I knew. We're just checking if I knew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pacific Heights is it's a really cool concept because it is. It does seem like it could be like one of those like movies like with the creepy guy and whatnot like i love those like fatal attraction play misty for me like there's like a creepy guy and there's a couple involved like i like that idea but this one just they handle it so well like matthew modine and melanie griffith are the couple that are like the good guys in this movie and matthew modine is really unlikable Mm. like he's so unlikable you actually like michael keaton more than him than then you like him which is bad i feel like you should never like the villain more than the hero in a movie, you know? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like, I don't know, because in this movie, I just did not care if Matthew Modine 
and Melanie Griffith like survived or what. Like I really didn't give a shit, you know? Okay. Um the second half of this movie really picks up because Melanie Griffith starts like kind of taking over as the lead, and I'm like, okay, she's way more likable, so thank you. Right. But yeah, no, I I was very um I was very impressed with Michael Keaton's performance because he actually is a really good villain. Um and we'll get into him as a villain later on. But yeah. The issue with him being a villain is that a lot of the time he's a villain in a really shitty movie. Um, yeah, and then he like, just steals the show. Like he's more likable, like you said. Yeah, and it sucks too because like I I want to see him in a really good movie where he's a villain. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say like uh, eventually we did get that, but it took forever for it to happen. Yeah, and it's just I'm glad that they finally were able to find a pair of directors and writers who could take michael keaton and make him a good villain because he has the chops for it like there's something about him i think we've talked about this before there's something about him where it's like he has something where he can be a good villain like there's something about him like the pointy eyebrows or something yeah where you're like i know he could be evil you know he looks kind of evil <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wouldn't want to fuck with him no um uh yeah and then he did movies like One Good Cop, which was also not very good, but he was supposed to play like kind of a, a, a good cop who's becoming kind of crooked. Mm. Um, and then the movie at the end, the resolution is terrible. Like the He does horrible things in this movie, and at the end, I don't even give a fuck, I'm going to spoil this. The end of the movie, <laughs> they're like, um, look, we're just going to forget that you did all these horrible things. Oh my god. Like, even though we're well aware of it, we're just going to totally forget about it. And I mean, like, he did terrible things, but they weren't. He wasn't like killing innocent people. Like he was, he was going after bad people, mm-hmm. but doing it in the way that he shouldn't have been doing it. Right, and it probably wasn't good for good people. Like it probably actually got good people hurt. But he was like, everyone's just kind of like, you look. We're just gonna close our eyes, Jesus pretend it didn't Christ. happen. Yeah. But he's great in it. You know, mm. he's as good as he can be in a movie that's just kind of painful to watch i was telling you about this one i needed chips to watch this one i needed it's hard to get through yeah like 40 minutes here and there 10 minutes there and then i I had like an hour left and i was like you know what let's just grab a couple beers and get through this motherfucker (laughs) let's just let's end this bitch off you know um and then okay then we got three really good movies here we got my life which is really really sad but he's really good in it yes um He's dying of cancer. He wants to make a video for his son that he'll probably never meet. Um, and that's also just like a, 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 another thing, too. It's a, It could have been really depressing, but he brings a levity to it that really makes it a little bit more enjoyable. You know, like he has some funny lines in it, but he also does really well with the dramatic stuff. Yeah, I, so. I, I watched it a little bit. I started it last night and immediately mm-hmm. I was like, I love this guy and I don't want to watch him suffer or else I will exactly. cry. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too. Like his, his character also has an arc where at the beginning he's kind of, how far into it did you get? Like 10 minutes into it? Something yeah. Like just about. Yeah. At the beginning, he's a really nice guy, but you can tell that he's a bit pessimistic mm-hmm. and he's not the most open person. Um, and that But he's trying say, to be. Like, he's trying to be open, but he doesn't really know that he's not as open as he is. You yeah. Know? And then throughout the movie, he becomes he begins to open up, um, and to really like enjoy the last little bit of uh, you know his life and whatnot. Um, I yeah. probably and will it's, end it's, up finishing this. 
You know what? I would recommend it because it is a good movie. I would say it's probably like 20 minutes too long, but like I'd give it a positive review, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not one I'd want to rewatch because it is fucking so sad. Yeah. But I'm very I'm very happy to recommend it to anybody who who likes Michael Keaton. Also just the just the idea of the movie is great, you know? Oh like yeah. It's built to tug on cancer. your heart heartstrings. Yeah. Terminal cancer, three months to live, wants to be able to be there for his son, but he know he he can't. So he wants to make a videotape for his kids like to watch, like growing up, you know? Um, I was just thinking, I was like, man, that is a really great idea, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, hopefully I won't have to do that. Hopefully I'll just be alive, you know, for my kids. But, you know, um, yeah, no. The paper is also really, really good. Ron Howard, paper movie. Um, this is one that focuses a lot more on the people behind the paper than it does on the actual case, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. And it's a comedy drama and he's like fantastic in it. I really highly recommend you see this one too. Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, him, Robert Duvall, Marissa Tomei, Ooh. Randy Quaid, uh, Glenn Close. Damn. Amazing. Yeah. It's a stellar cast. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's an awesome cast. And I think this actually might be, I think this is his second highest rated movie on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Or one of, it's, it's one of his highest ones, because I know this one's like 93 or 94%. Like, it's really, really fresh. Damn, I can't, I can't believe I let that one slip by me. Yeah. You fucking, you let me down. You really let me in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I feel it, man. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have to talk about Much Ado About Nothing real quick, because um, this is my girlfriend's favorite movie. And I don't want to be in the doghouse, so <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about it. But you like um, it. You I like it, it though. You've been I raving love this. about it. Oh yeah, no, I love this. I actually really, really, really love this movie a lot. Um, it's Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson, Robert Sean Leonard. I like to call him uh, dramatic Jim Carrey because hmm. um, he really <laughs> looks like uh, like Jim Carrey if he if he just went full serious actor, you know. Um, and then Kate Beckinsale is in this movie too, and she's amazing. Uh, her first pretty much role, every, right? Her first role, yeah, yeah and, it's, and it's amazing. And you're like, why didn't you do more period pieces and less underworld stuff, you know? Less click, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? But this movie is really fantastic. And Michael Michael Keaton is my favorite part of it because he's the comic relief character. Mm. Um, He plays Dogberry. And I mean, like, let's talk about the fact that he's doing a Shakespearean movie. I did not expect that from him right. at all. I just never, I, I don't know. I shouldn't be surprised at this point because he has so much range, but he just never oh, struck yeah. me as a traditional kind of stage play guy. And I know it's not yeah. a play, obviously. It's it's not live. And so a whole mm. different component comes to it. But still, though, uh, I'm I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, I gotta say, like, I, I, I'm not a huge, like, I like, I really, I like reading Shakespeare, I'm not so big on watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. But this one really surprised me, like, how much I enjoyed it, you know? I feel that. When, when a, when a good, sh- when Shakespeare is well-performed, it can seriously elevate it, but a lot of the time, it can be better on the page. I've seen some bad Shakespeare, too. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. This one was like, I, I didn't know the plot of Much of Ado About Nothing, so I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to even, like, understand what the hell is going on, because mm-hmm. I find I find him hard to understand, you know, and I don't think I'm alone there saying that. Of course. Um, it's a little shameful, considering I am an English major. Um, right. At the but same time. Again, I mean, like, 
Uh, yeah. I think that's fair though. A lot of people have that problem because we don't know how to speak that that way. So you need mm-hmm. to hear it spoken the right way to get it across on the first try. And that's why it's so important that a, that Shakespeare is well-read and well-performed. Exactly, yeah. And then I know people say like, oh, it's written in iambic pentameter where it's like, it just stresses on every other syllable. Yeah. And then they may, they always say like, um, like some actor said like, oh, you read it like this, you read it like, and so I went down on the street into the mall. Like you read it like, mm-hmm. like a heartbeat. Stresses on, like a heartbeat. And I'm like, does that mean every fucking scene is going to be performed like that in, in theater or is supposed to be like to be or not to be? That is the question. And it's like that. I would shoot myself. I would want to shoot myself. But that was how that was performed. Yeah. There's a lot um, more nuance to that than, than just reading it that way. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Um, this is why I don't do Shakespeare. You know, when I act, um, much ado about nothing is fantastic. Michael Keaton will be a better Shakespeare performer than I ever will be. Um, I can't wait to get to that. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is also in it. Is he? he can, no. In this era, he is so hit or miss. I think mostly miss. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say this is a lot closer to um, Bram Stoker's than it is to Speed. Right. Um, yeah. So you know how that performance is. Don't put Keanu in a period piece is the lesson of the 90s. Just why would, <laughs> was he ever in period pieces? I don't know. He it's, he looks like such a surfer. You know what I mean? I yeah. It's it's him put putting him in like a period piece to me is like putting Dane Cook in a 1950s movie, you know? <laughs> in Greece. Yeah, putting him in Greece. Oh yeah, guys, tell me more. Tell me more. Like like what about it, you know? Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like pacing across the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I don't want to be like braggadocious or anything, but but basically did like did she did she did she put up a fight kind of thing? Like, oh my god, terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Last one on this list is Jackie Brown. Um it's a great you saw one. this years ago. A little bit. Yeah, I love this one. I I I, I had to rewatch it last semester for a class and i actually wrote a paper on it i didn't really write it on uh on michael keaton's character but he's oh yeah he's pretty memorable as like the 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 kind of good cop i guess or at least like you know yeah trying to be the good cop but obviously he gets played in the end oh yeah yeah i'm gonna be honest i i saw this years ago it's been quite some time since i've seen it Mm. i don't really remember him in it yeah, he doesn't have that big of a role yeah. in the film. Yeah, he um he also it's weird, he reprised this role in Out of Sight. <gasps> right. Which is, um Yeah, which is like also based off of a novel by the same like author. Yes. Elmore Leonard, I think is the name. Yes. Yeah, so that's one I think like they were both making their like I think Jackie Brown was ninety seven. I think Out of Sight was ninety eight, and he only had a cameo in ninety eight or in and Out of Sight. And I think Steven Soderbergh was like, "Hey man, do you just want to use the same like character, you know? Mm-hmm. Just want to, you know?" And then I think they just were like, "Yeah, we'll just put him in that." But I, I mean, it's weird. I remember his scene in Out of Sight better than I remember him and Jackie Brown, which I feel I feel kind of bad about. Um, right. I mean. Yeah, he's just like kind of the the likable FBI guy from what yeah. I remember, but he's mm-hmm. definitely not the focus at all. 
that's the reason. Yeah, it's it's definitely not his performance that I can't quite remember him. It's just his role isn't very big, and he's um the focus of that movie is more on Pam Greer, Robert De Niro, Sam L. Jackson. Um, yeah, playing Robert everybody Forster. around them basically. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like the focus is literally on everybody except for him. Like there are six main characters in that movie, and the focus is on all five of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's always great. So he's solid. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he looks the part too. Like, oh yeah, I, no, he looks like a likable cop. Like if he was a cop, I'd trust him. You know? Yeah, he he's such a. He's such a chameleon because especially in that era with the buzz cut, like kind of the early buzz cut, Michael Keaton before his hair, like when there was still some color in his hair, he just looked like a military (laughs) man. Like I buy it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Plus that leather jacket. My God. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the sunglasses. I feel like this is just becoming the, uh, the Greg and Matt thirst chat. You know, that's really what this is becoming, you know? Oh my God. Hi guys, welcome to the Greg and Matt Thirst Chat. Today we're going to be talking about Michael Damn Keaton. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Michael Eaton. <laughs> Michael Eaton, yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the Greg and Matt Thirst Chat. We're going to be talking about Vince Vaughn, more like Vince. Mm, 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 mm. Vince Tasty. turned on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, let's talk about some of his forgotten movies. Yeah. Speechless, Multiplicity, First Daughter, White Noise, Herbie Fully Loaded, The Last Time, Postgrad, and who could forget Jack Frost? Mm. Oh my God. Michael Keaton plays a fucking snowman. Yeah. Oh, That's all I remember about Jack Frost was liking it as a kid because that snowman effect was so unsettling. Like, I, I just couldn't take my eyes off it. <laughs> I don't know why he did this movie, but this is a bad idea for a movie. Like, just a really bad idea. It's so weird. It's so weird. This should have been a horror movie. I think it was a horror movie, too, or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, that sounds right for some reason. It's, yeah, probably is. I think (laughs) there was a horror movie. Oh, man. (laughs) They should have used this costume then, this puppet or whatever it was. I'm going to be honest, the, the. the costume from uh, from this movie is scarier than the actual one that they used in the actual horror movie that was uh, called Jack Frost. I buy it. Yeah. Did this come out before or after the Santa Claus? Because it's a similar premise. <sighs> that would make a lot of sense why this movie got made yeah. if it came out after. If it came out before, then I'm baffled. This came out after. Yeah, like that makes sense. After. It's like, what other Christmas character can we turn a dad into? Right? Yeah. Also, I love the Santa Claus. Like, the Santa Claus is freaking That's great. a really solid movie. Oh, yeah. Also, like, I never understood what, like, the E in the Santa Claus meant, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, the, um, the, like a legal clause. Like a legal clause. Like, I, I just thought Santa Claus was spelt with an E. So, like, <laughs> A number of years, and then people are like, you're spelling it wrong. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, that's how the, the Santa Claus spells it. <laughs> There's a generation of us who did that because I did the same thing because of the Santa Claus. <laughs> it's like all these like teachers at school are like, oh, damn, that movie, the fucking Santa Claus. They're ruining the kids of this generation. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, anyways, yeah. we'll do a Tim you know, Allen cast eventually, but... We will. You know what I, I can see, though, is that if they did make... If they couldn't get Tim Allen for the Santa Claus, I actually could have seen Michael Keaton do that movie. Mm. 
Yeah, like I'm seeing that'd him be as cool. like Scott Calvin. Right? I think he would have been really good. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Also, I just remember David Krumholtz being in Santa Claus. Why was he Bernard <laughs> the Head Elf? I don't know. Anyway. Um, Jack Frost bad. <laughs> watch it like as, um, yeah. I don't know, you need an eggnog drinking game for it. And watch right? it around Christmas. And then you yeah. then it'll be enjoyable. Yeah, it's really... Even as a kid, I was kind of like, you know, like, this is, you know, like, as a kid, I liked everything. But, like, even this, I was like, yeah, you can throw it on the background. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. pay attention to it when I get bored of playing with my action figures, you know. Yeah, I'd never, kinda... I'd never pick Jack Frost, but when it was on, you know, Family Channel or whatever around Christmas <laughs> and it was yeah. the only thing on, it's like, all right, Jack Frost it is. I'll get to stare at a gross freaking <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. And then Herbie fully loaded. I, I mean, people say this movie sucks. I remember liking it, but I'm not. I'm also not going to defend this movie. You know, I'm not going to go out of my way. Yeah, I didn't bother rewatching it because it's one of those that's probably better left in my childhood. Because I also enjoyed it as a kid. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, not a lot to talk about here. Is unforgettable movies. I, t- I find he's never really bad in them. You know, they're just they're just very. Just forgettable. Yeah, I know? wonder what was going on behind the scenes that either was he just not getting asked to do better movies or was he choosing stuff that was a little, I don't know, maybe he just, yeah. he just, his instinct was off. I don't know. And it's interesting because like we're going to get to the film roles he almost had um, after we talk about uh, the rest of his movies. But even during this period, like in the 2000s, he, he didn't have a ton of roles mm-hmm. either. You know, like he wasn't offered a ton, but the thing is that he was offered a few that could have been really big and he didn't take them. Right. Or he, or he didn't get the chance to take them because he was only like considered for them, mm. but he was never like, um, what do you call it? He, he was never like asked cause maybe if he was asked, he would have done them, but like he was never really, he might not have ever really been like in the in that room to make the decision. Right. Like, hey, do you want to play this role? He was it's just on choice. like a, a potential list and they cast someone before him probably. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think people kind of forgot about him and I, I don't know. I think maybe like even, even some of these good ones, like, you know, I mean, like if you look at the nineties, like these are his like better movies, but he does have a lot of movies that didn't do well. I mean, my life is a good movie, but it is also 42% of Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And then one good cop is, 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's bad, you know? Yeah. Pacific Heights, people didn't like. Desperate Measures, people really didn't like. He um, had a bunch of duds in a row, and I'm sure, like, investors were like, oh, well, yeah. it's the Michael Keaton. It's not the fact that these are awful movies. Yeah. And then, I mean, like, then he did Speechless, Multiplicity, Jack Frost. Yeah. I, and I, I think he just kind of... Yeah. It, it all just kind of dried up for him. Um, I do give him credit though that he didn't do Batman Forever. I think that was a good choice. But um, yeah, once once Burton dropped out, it really wasn't going to be the same thing. It w- the from what I remember, like I like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin as a kid, but they are in my memory just kind of toy commercials. Oh yeah, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, already. Um, this is one you didn't see. It's called The Merry Gentleman. Yeah, I wish I got um, to it. Tell me about this. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. He directed it, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. I don't know. The directing style of this movie didn't really work for me. 
it's kind of I don't know. It, it's kind of a um, it's a really slow story, and the script's not very good. Right? Um, Did he write it, stars, it too? No, he didn't write. Okay. It. Um, thank God. Yeah, because <laughs> even if he wrote this, I'd be like Michael Keaton. What the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah. But this movie is just okay. So it feels like a like a straight to DVD movie kind of thing. Oof. Which I don't really like. Um, and it stars him and Kelly McDonald, and they're both really good in it. Um, and Michael Keaton doesn't even say a lot in this movie. So as an acting, um, performance, like he's actually really good in this movie. Okay. The movie's a real slow burn and it's kind of boring in some parts, but there's also like, there's this subplot about this, um, detective who's into Kelly McDonald. Like he likes her. Okay. And I, it's really like, he's a really annoying character because he's very unlikable and he's, he's really weird and creepy. And I think you're supposed to like him, nah. but you don't because he's very, he's, he's really odd. Like he's really creepy and weird. Like what he does is he's basically like, um, you could tell he's interested in Kelly McDonald and he's like, Hey, like I'm going to come by after work, after you're done work and we'll get a bite to eat. So, cause I need to talk to you about the case and whatnot, you know? And you know what he wants to do. Like, he's talking about it with his partner where he's like, hey, like, I, I like her. And he's like, oh, yeah, your girlfriend. <laughs> but he's basically manipulating a case so that he can get close to a know, coworker. Get close. Well, get close to a witness. Oh, a witness. You know? Yeah. Not even like a, a coworker. He's like the detective and he's using the fact that there's a case so that he can basically hit on this girl. Oof. And it's really uncomfortable, and I think you're supposed to like him, and he's and it's not likable. And he he makes her uncomfortable like on a number of occasions, and it really is it's it kind of bothers me. Like it kind of bothered me after a while, where I'm like, I don't like this guy. Like it really bugs me. And I mean, maybe you weren't supposed to like him, but whatever the case was, I feel like you should have liked to at least watch him. But like every time he was on screen, I'm like. Oh, God. Yeah, just not a sympathetic character at all. Not a sympathetic character at all. And here's the thing. Um, I love how every time we talk about our issues with the movie, it's never about Michael Keaton. Like Never. Right? Like, he's always on. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, with Adam Sandler, it's like, hey, man, he's great in this movie, but what the fuck was Jack and Jill? Yeah. Like, this, it's like, if Michael Keaton was in Jack and Jill, you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, Jack and Jill was so terrible. But, like, Michael Keaton, like... He was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like he was actually not bad, you know. He's world class. He really is. He just he just feels like a classy guy. Like when you see him in movies, you're just like, man, like I like that guy, you know. Alrighty, let's talk about his return to form. Yes. This is this is probably this might be his his best decade, this last decade. Um at least in my opinion. I know that you have some opinions on these movies, but... Uh, yeah, no, I agree, though. It's his best decade, in ter- career-wise. Yeah. Career-wise, this oh, is yeah. just hit after hit. Yeah, and I mean, like, hey, man, like, it's it's really impressive that he had a great 90s. He, like, he had a great um, set of movies to do in the 90s. And then he had a horrible, horrible decade. Like, not just a couple years, like, decade. Yeah. With the 2000s. And now he's, like, an A-lister again, yeah. you know? Like, that's not, I don't think that's easy to do. But anyway, he was in The Other Guys, Toy Story 3, Blindsided, which is also known as Penthouse, Penthouse North, uh, the Robocop remake, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, or whatever it's called, Yeah. Uh, Spotlight, The Founder, Spider-Man Homecoming, American Assassin, and Dumbo. 
Um, alrighty. Tell me about tell me about these movies. Which ones you like? Which ones you you hate? I love Toy Story three. Even though it's not it's not like a Michael Keaton movie. Oh no! That yeah. that was a really good one. That one definitely made me made me cry in theaters as like a. I think it came oh, out when yeah. I was like twelve or eleven or something. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Um, he was one of my favorite characters in Toy Story three. Yeah, I have to say yeah, because I remember watching that in theaters and being like, "Who the hell is that?" Like, and my parents were like, "Who is that?" Like, that's so funny. That character is so funny. And then we were they watched the credits and they're like, "We need to figure out who this guy is." You know, like who plays Ken. And then when we found out it was Michael Keaton, we were like, oh, my God. Like, that's Michael Keaton? That's so yeah. funny. And once you learn that, you can't unhear it. And it makes so much sense, like, that he, he has yeah. such a great sense of humor as Ken. Yeah. Um, I like the other guys, even though he, he just – he's in that movie for, like, five minutes, right? But he has some of the best quotes. <laughs> oh, yeah. He he was, like, the police chief. He had, he had like, a – a decent amount of screen time yeah. he was maybe in like 10 or 15 minutes okay. of it, but he wasn't but he wasn't like a character like that had like an arc or anything like he was just a police chief yeah. you know so like they'd have a scene with him occasionally where he's like ah you're off the case ah you're back on the case ah <laughs> stop bugging this guy but he had some good moments that were just hilarious and he he did this thing where he would just always quote tlc but yeah like he wouldn't realize he was doing it. i don't want no scrubs <laughs> yeah he'd be like hey guys don't go chasing waterfalls, all right? Like, don't do it, you know? And they'd be like, you're quoting TLC again. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, he was great. Yeah, he was really funny. Birdman is a really good movie. I think it personally is kind of, it, it just left me with a bad feeling rewatching it. It's kind of, I don't know if I took the right thing. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I took the right thing away from it. It's It felt like they're kind of saying like, if you're an artist, you're probably self-absorbed. If you're, um, if you enjoy art, you either like to watch people suffer or you're too ignorant to appreciate it. Kind of like that's kind of how it felt. It was just a really cynical way to look at art and artists. Jesus, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't remember that to be honest. No? I, I don't think I took that away from it. No, I didn't get it. Like the the, I didn't think that the first time. The first time I was just like enthralled by the filmmaking and and how beautiful yeah. and how great all the performances were. Like, I, it's not about this podcast. Not about Emma Stone, but I think this might be my favorite Emma Stone performance because she's oh yeah she's so good and really just transforms. But oh, yeah, yeah, just the whole thing about like the critic basically only liking uh, Keaton's character Riggin once he suffers like really suffers like almost kills himself and then yeah. um the the good actor on stage is just full of himself and manipulative and a piece of shit same with same with Riggin himself is like he's he has no consideration for anyone else he missed his whole daughter's life because he's so focused on himself and so self-absorbed yeah but then there's also the thing of like he wants to make real art because the people who like birdman are idiots and like empty-headed so i don't know like what it made me kind of feel bad for liking movies <laughs> like, that's not a good feeling like yeah. i like both i like i like you know i like to think about movies sometimes but other times i want to watch desperate measures and have a beer <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, I I think what I took away from it is that like this is the kind of viewpoint that people have. Yeah. Um, but it, that's not really necessarily right. But it it I saw it more as like a window into how actors and whatnot maybe live some of their lives, and then it shows you a different variety of like people and their problems. Mm. Um, by focusing on Michael Keaton, and I think Michael Keaton's performance is fantastic in it. Oh yeah, which. 
I'm glad we can both agree on that because I'm going to be honest. I think he should have won the Oscar for this movie. That was um, the peak of his kind of unhinged nature that we've seen so far. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, it, this movie kind of it kind of pissed me off that Eddie Redmayne won for the Theory of Everything. Like I thought he was great. I do, but I really wanted Michael Keaton to win because mm-hmm. the guy's been around forever, and I love the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. But yeah, I I feel like this movie was. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really get the 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 message about art quite as much, but I saw it more as just like a, let's take a trip and do you know a washed up actor and maybe get into their headspace and see how they think. Yeah, and, uh, maybe it is just saying like this is his headspace. This is how he sees it too. Exactly. Yeah, because that that could actually make sense, and that's actually a good way to look at it. Now that you say that, like that's actually pretty interesting. But yeah, that's that's kind of how I saw it. Um, but then again, I'm also I, I I'll probably when I rewatch it, though, I probably will think about what you've said, because that actually is a good point, because I mean, you know, maybe maybe it's also like you said, like, I like to look at art, but I also like to watch Desperate Measures, you know? Yeah. Um, like there's like, there's look, many facets to, to enjoy exactly. art. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll definitely take a look at that because that is an interesting way to look at it. It is a beautiful movie. It's so absorbing and like it, it oh, really yeah. pulls you in. It's it's funny. It's dramatic. It's scary. Like, oh, yeah, uh, I remember watching it the first time and there there was I, I, I won't give anything away. But like there is a very specific moment where I literally gasp and then the movie like takes it back. It was it was really oh, great. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a it's a great movie. Well, a great performance, I should say. Mm hmm. Um, I think it's a great movie. Oh, I agree. I agree. Beautifully yeah. made movie. Okay. It just made me feel bad this time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's maybe a... next time it'll make you feel great. Yeah, I will rewatch it because it's it's amazing. It. Oh yeah, fantastic. Tell me about Spotlight. Spotlight was cool. Um, yeah. as a story, it's really interesting. I don't know if it brought anything more to the table than like a documentary could have. Like yeah. it felt kind of just by the numbers made and it's, it's a super important and interesting part of history and systemic failure to, to hold people accountable and all that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I don't, I don't think it was like, I don't know this one, this one best picture the year it came out. Right. Yep. Yeah. I don't know what else came <laughs> out that year, but. This... Oh, I can tell you um, a couple off the top of my head. Um, the big short uh the revenant and mad max fury road see the big short is more how this movie could have been done because they're both about historical corruption and people uncovering it and it being denied Mm -hmm. but one is done like the spotlight is done so traditionally and in such a more more of a boring way yeah and the big short is just so interesting and break exactly an original yeah. like it's it's breaking new ground mm-hmm. for how to tell that kind of story yeah my issue with spotlight was that it felt i i was saying this before we got on here but um it really feels like it's talking more about the issue rather than the people behind it you know mm-hmm. because it does talk a little bit about the people behind it but it doesn't talk enough about it like there's a part where mark ruffalo like lashes out and he gets all upset yeah I loved Ruffalo in this too, by the way. Oh yeah, no, he's fantastic in it, and so is Rachel McAdams. I think this was like her first Oscar nomination. But like, Mark Ruffalo just kind of lashes out and gets like mad at everybody in one part of this movie because he's so frustrated, and it just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Where I'm like, I, I don't really 
know why he's getting upset, you know? Yeah. Because it just felt like they were just talking about the issue, you know? So when they actually tried to talk about, like, the people behind it, it just felt like, where the fuck is this coming from? Because I feel like I've missed all of this, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it definitely is very traditional. I just, I'm, I'm really pissed off at this one best picture because... This movie, to me, is like a 7 out of 10. Like, I was kind of underwhelmed when I saw it. Like, it's not a bad movie. It's a solid movie. It's well-made, full of great performances, but I don't think it's rooted in in enough characterization for me. It's it's very much about, like, this this broken system, this corrupt system, which is cool. That makes a really good story and a really good documentary, but... Oh, yeah. uh, Like, a narrative for a movie? I don't know. You might have... I, I, it really, it's, it's praised for being super realistic, but also like real life isn't a movie. Yeah. You gotta take maybe a bit more creative liberty. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Um, alrighty. Move on to, uh, the founder. I wasn't into this one. Yeah. I'm really surprised. I really like this movie a lot. It felt to me like a commercial for McDonald's and like assembly line capitalism. And I, I only got through half of it. And then I was like, I'd rather watch Batman. Yeah. I don't Give know. Give this one another shot, I would say. Yeah. Like, like just, just watch, uh, get through it. Um, because it does kind of take a turn where like he, he basically becomes like a pretty unlikable guy. But I kind of, he that, is really likable. That's yeah. what I was expecting. Cause like from the opening, he's, he is a very sleazy salesman who just wants to get in on on anything he can to make a buck and the people around him are kind of like when are you gonna just settle down and it's like it just it felt pretty by the numbers but there's so many good performers and like i couldn't help but wonder yeah like i don't know how yeah. how are you in this i don't know maybe maybe was i was lo- looking at it wrong yeah i mean give it another shot i, but I mean it is kind of, people have said it's kind of a depressing movie. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't say depressing, but it is kind of, uh, you know, it, it feels like a slap in the face. Um, mm. Also, was Laura Dern in this? I can't she remember. Was. It's been a few years. She was his she wife. First wife or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, before Linda know, Cardellini. I, before can, Linda Cardellini. Who also, by the way, um, I, I haven't seen the Emmy nominations, but she better fucking be nominated for Dead to Me because she's amazing on that <laughs> she's show. She's so cool. Yeah, amazing actress. But yeah, no. Um, also, I love Laura Dern. I think she's amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this movie. Um, Tell me about it. What, did, what did you see in this? I just like his performance so yeah. much. And then it's also just because there is such an arc that it's not the typical arc, you know, because I thought like, oh, this is going to be a movie where he, when I first like started watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be a movie where he finds like uh, McDonald's and he makes like this great thing out of it. And it's like a really like inspiring kind of movie. Mm -hmm. And then the trailer takes like a dark turn where you're like, oh, like he seems like he's probably kind of a piece of shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And then in this movie is, it's basically like, that this movie is like i'm not saying like oh you see the whole movie in the trailer you get the vibe of the movie in the trailer but you don't see the whole movie in the trailer um which is basically me me saying go see this movie because it's it's great okay but um like he basically yeah you see a guy basically fuck over two people who are really passionate about what they do and it's heartbreaking but it's also real and it's it's cool to see something like this kind of exposed because I feel like I've I've seen Ray Kroc's name be like, oh, yeah, he's the founder of McDonald's. Like, what a great guy. He made McDonald's. He made this thing that everybody loves. But he didn't. 
But he didn't. He just took it from two people who were really passionate about it, and yeah. then he made it a commercial. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like the commercial for McDonald's kind of works in that way. But right, okay. I get if I get if you don't like it, you know. No, I want to give yeah. it another chance because I I really loved all the performances in it and all the actors. Yeah. Well, it's too late, Greg. It's too late. <laughs> you're, you're personally taking it off of Netflix. <laughs> And don't try to ask me for the Blu-ray, okay? <laughs> because I do have it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. They're wrong opinions and whatnot. <laughs> Some no, are I'm wrong, kidding. but... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. I totally, I fully accept if I'm wrong about this. Maybe I just, like, went into it too no. cynical about, about McDonald's. <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all, no. Because it is, it is kind of, I feel like you do kind of get the gist of it at the beginning where you're like, okay, yeah. But I do think I think we can both agree that he is really good. Oh, he's so good. Everyone's Amazing. so good in this. But yeah, yeah, Keaton is a great star to carry this like sleaze bag salesman oh, yeah. across America. Exactly. <laughs> is really good in that sense. Oh, yeah. His performance. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic, and I love it. Talking about sleazy Michael Keaton, let's talk about Spider-Man: Homecoming real quick, and then we'll get into movies he almost was in, mm-hmm. but. Spider-Man Homecoming is, oh my god. His like, best villain performance, right? His best performance. Oh yeah. This is the one I was talking about earlier. Like I'm just so glad that they were able to finally take Michael Keaton and put him in the right role to make him a good villain. Yeah. My favorite moment in that movie is when he's driving uh, Peter and Liz to the dance. And he's at yes. the red light. And like his face is lit in red. And as he oh, realizes... Yeah. That it's actually Spider-Man in his back seat. He uh, yeah. it, the light changes and it goes to green, and he's like, "Good old Spider-Man!" Like he's such a, a scary, oh, yeah. scary bastard. Yeah, and this is the thing too. Like the thing that works so well about Michael Keaton, I think, in like a villain role, is that there is something about him. Like, like I've said, like in the serious roles, he brings a levity to them. Mm-hmm. In like a bad role like this, like he is a in a role like this where he's playing a bad guy, he is a dad too. And he so seems like some... he was a good dad. He seems like he was a good dad. Yeah. So like when he turns, it feels like you've been betrayed almost, yeah. you know, because you see him and you're like, this guy's just a nice guy. He's, he's a father and whatnot. And then he turns around and looks at Spider-Man and you're like, Oh fuck. Like he's going to kill this guy. Like I thought, I thought he was, a, I thought he was, I thought he was safe. Yeah. You know, like I thought, yeah, I thought we were all good. And, it, and there's that extra layer to it, too, because it's like it's the dude who's dating your daughter. Right. So it's like that toxic dad kind of thing where he's like, oh, I'm going to just be a complete dick to my daughter's yeah. boyfriend or whatever. It's just there. there's some layers to there where it's not it's not just that it's his his enemy who's stopping his evil plans. It's like it's kind of personal when he comes to his door and, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, my God, like, man. That movie gave me chills, like when I when I saw that scene. Yeah, and he's just. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to maybe say something kind of controversial. Well, not controversial because it is, it is my personal opinion. Um, I think Vulture is my favorite villain in the MCU. Yeah, not not saying he's the best. I think the best is probably like Thanos, obviously. Well, I'm but like, I'm thinking through it. Like I think I would like I I prefer I would watch more of Michael Keaton's Vulture than Thanos. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he better come back because, like, he said, like, hey, man, if I knew who Spider-Man was, he'd be dead already. Like, I want to see more of that guy. Yeah. He's still alive. So 
you know? No, that I, one I'm okay spoiling because I know everyone's seen it. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree, though. He is my favorite MCU villain, too. Fantastic. I'm glad you agree because, um, yeah, no, he, he's just a badass in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because you've seen him so many times as a hero. It's really, like, it's really cool to see him as a villain. Alrighty. This one, he's had a lot of roles that he's almost had, and a lot of these could have been really interesting, but um, I don't know. I'm happy with the career he's had. He could have maybe done a couple better things in the um, what do you call it? In the 2000s, mm-hmm. but you know, and then also it's interesting because some of the movies that he almost did actually went to Kurt Russell and actually went to Steve Martin, which I both, which I compared them both to. Yeah. Um, There's something so, there. Oh, yeah. These are from NotStarring.com. He was almost, uh, he almost played Mahoney in Police Academy, went to Steve Gutenberg. Almost played Seth Brundle in The Fly, which went to Jeff Goldblum. I can see that. Jim Garrison, JFK, Kevin Costner. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean went to Johnny Depp. Roy Munson in Kingpin, which <laughs> went to Woody Harrelson. I really could have seen that, yeah. to be completely honest. Um, Andrew Beckett from Philadelphia went to Tom Hanks. Dr. Curtis McCabe from Vanilla Sky went to Kurt Russell. Alan Bauer from Splash went to Tom Hanks. Again, another Tom Hanks one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Baxter slash Gil Shepard from The Purple Rise, Rose of Cairo, which went to Jeff Daniels. Jonas Nightingale, Leaf of Faith, went to Steve Martin. Jack Crawford from Silence of the Lambs went to Scott Glenn. Kaczynski from Jarhead went to Chris Cooper. Chili Palmer from Get Shorty went to John Travolta, and Willy Wonka from Charlie Cho- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory went to Johnny Depp. So, which of these, like, do you think he would have improved any of these movies if he had gotten the role? Vanilla Sky, maybe. Mm. Vanilla Sky, I've never really been a big fan of, but to be honest, I mean, Kurt Russell kind of improves that movie because it's Kurt Russell and I love him. Right. But Vanilla Sky is just kind of... My okay, my girlfriend's dad loves Tom Cruise and he loves Vanilla Sky, so um Tread lightly. Sir, <laughs> sir, do not kill me. Yes, I'm gonna tread lightly. Um I don't think it quite works as a movie. <laughs> and I don't know if it it quite did it the right way. Um that's all I'm gonna say. Um Fair. I don't think he would have made much of an improvement though. Um mm. And I mean, like, I'm glad they got Johnny Depp for Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. But, I mean, like, here's the thing, is that if they did it with Michael Keaton, it probably only would have been one movie. Yeah, no. it's It wouldn't have been as iconic, I don't think. Although, I guess you never know if he brought some kind of Beetlejuiciness to it, maybe. But yeah. I don't know. The thing is, I, I almost wonder sometimes, would Pirates of the Caribbean have been better as one movie? Because if they did it with Michael Keaton, it definitely would have only been one movie, I think. Yeah, he hasn't done many sequels just batman returns really right yeah i could really see him as seth brundle from the fly but i'm happy they got jeff goldblum because i mean i think he did a great job with that yeah i i I agree there i think overall i think it speaks more to maybe how the industry sees him Mm -hmm. because there's i could i could see him work maybe in the fly even though i wouldn't I wouldn't change anything about the fly. Exactly. But yeah. there is that kind of like Jeff Goldblum has that weird kind of humor to him and also oh, yeah. ability to do dramatic stuff. 
Hundred percent. Yeah, you can see stuff like that. Police Academy too. I I don't think Steve Gutenberg is like that special in that personally. So yeah, if it was with Michael Keaton. Probably yeah, same with that. like Silence of the Lambs. Like I never really remember like Jack Crawford, but then again, nobody remembers Jack Crawford all that much. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like he's fine in it. Yeah, don't waste Michael Keaton on that. Yeah, don't waste Michael Keaton. <laughs> um, yeah. The only movie that I think would have been cool if he was in was maybe Jarhead, because I just don't really remember Chris Cooper being in that. Yeah, me neither. Um, Yeah, but then again, I don't think Chris Cooper's even in that much of it. No. So, I mean, like, a lot of these roles, like, yeah, he could have been in, but, like, they wouldn't have even been big roles either. Um, I guess the only thing is he could have done other movies. Like, he could have done Philadelphia, and that probably would have been better for his career if he did that. But at the same time, then we wouldn't have Tom Hanks where he is today, you know? It's if true. If didn't do that, like, would we, would Tom Hanks still be, like, the Tom Hanks that we know and love? Or would he have been able to do Forrest Gump if he didn't do Philadelphia first? Would would um, Michael Keaton play Forrest Gump instead? Oh, God. Yikes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. I like to imagine that. Yeah, that's oh boy, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it would have been cool if he tried to do something like in the 2000s. The only one out of all these that I said maybe he should have done was like Jarhead because mm-hmm. then at least we'd be looking at his 2000s and been like, okay, well at least he did Jarhead and that was kind of cool. There's you know? a single good movie in there. <laughs> single good movie. Yeah. <laughs> And Jarhead, I actually really like. I actually think that's a great uh, movie. We just did um, on the Instagram the best, uh, what do you call it, best Jake Gyllenhaal movies. And the first mm-hmm. one, I think, was Jarhead. And Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I love that one. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, no. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe he would have brought something to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But at the same time, I do think it's weird that they focus on Willy Wonka's childhood in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think maybe he would have been better than than Johnny Depp, but also like it's not it's not the right movie either. Like I don't think yeah. the movie would have been that much better. Johnny yeah, Depp maybe would have been more like uh, Gene Wilder though. I could. I that. think he would have been a more Gene Wilder though for sure, and maybe Gene Wilder would be a little bit more nicer to the um <laughs> to the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> remake because he was not happy with it. No, um, fair no. enough though. Yeah, then again, you got Johnny Depp acting like, uh, you know, fucking Michael Jackson. So what are you going to do? Yeah. All right. We're just about to wrap up here. So let's do our, um, we're going to do our three worst Michael Keaton movies and our three best. Um, Okay. So uh, would you like to start us off with the worst? His three worst are, in my opinion, number three, Desperate Measures. (laughs) It's awful. And I love every second of it. Number two, RoboCop. Just, just don't, don't go watch the the original RoboCop. You're not gonna get anything of substance from the from the new one. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they remade it too, because the original had like a like a thing about like oh like RoboCop is really Jesus Christ or something like that. Yeah, and it was also very much about like police corruption and, and yeah. anti corporation and stuff. It's weird that someone was like, hey, guys, what if we just remade that? But it was just a straight up action movie. 
Yeah, it, like, it feels like it was remade by people who didn't watch RoboCop. They just saw, like, pictures of a robot police, and they're like, yeah, that's an action movie. Yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and the number one worst that I've got here is Jack Frost, because <sighs> it's just... A, it's a horror movie. It is! It's, it's a horror so movie. bad. This is the gateway horror movie. You know, yeah, scar that's true. your children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. My worst are um, number three. You got one good cop. Um, definitely not one good movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Burn. But, uh, that pun was better than sitting through two hours of Michael Keaton trying to slightly become a worse guy. You know, um, really just it felt so cheap. This movie feels so cheap too. like mm. it feels like this movie costs like they only had a million dollars. So they're like, OK, guys, we're going to do a. The, the end fight scene is going to be in one hotel room, and that's going to be it, okay? <laughs> um, it, it will be a big hotel room, but only one, okay? We've rented a hotel venue. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is Pacific Heights. I really didn't enjoy this. Um, mm. You know, it's, 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 and it's not Michael Keaton's fault. Um, it's, it's just really bad when you like the villain more than the hero, all right? Yeah. That's not good. That's not a good sign at all. And then number one is blindsided. Look, Michelle Monaghan is the best part about this movie, but even Michael Keaton's not very great. You know, he's fine, but the character is written so poorly that it actually just makes it really hard to enjoy any part of this movie. Also, it makes no sense that she's blind. It adds nothing to the movie. Mm. It's like somebody being like, well, what's different about this movie? And them being like, I mean, I guess you could make Michelle Monaghan blind. (laughs) And they're like, okay, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Yeah, sounds like it's not the the villain role that Keaton deserved. <laughs> not at all. Um, alrighty, now let's move on to the best. Yes. Um, I just noticed that I put the founder twice on the honorable mentions. I think that was self consciously me being a little <laughs> bit upset. About- <laughs> it's so it's double honorable mentioned. Yeah, because Greg didn't get through all of it. Um. <laughs> You got Night Shift, The Founder, Spider-Man Homecoming, and The Paper. Uh, highly recommend all of these, especially to you, Greg. I will watch The Founder and also <laughs> honorable mention to Desperate Measures, even though it was on my worst list, because it's so much fun. It is. It looks like a fun movie. On to the best. I'm going to put at number three, Clean and Sober, because that's still probably one of my favorite Michael Keaton performances. He's he's Amazing. probably had stronger, better ones just because he's gotten better as an actor. But it's it's still, I think he carries that movie on his shoulders from something that could have been like a preachy anti-drug and alcohol thing to a, a story about a sympathetic person who just cannot accept no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, um, for sure. And I mean, it's also his first real, like, dramatic performance. Like, yeah. Hardcore, heavy drama, and he does so well with it. I think it. I think it's uh, perfectly right there at number three. Yeah, he really came out swinging with that one right out of the oh, gate. Yeah. Um, number two, I'm, I'm throwing in Mr. Mom because I love a good John Hughes movie, and I I kind of wish Keaton had been in more. I'd, I he would have made for like a good high school teacher or something, like like the cool teacher. Or yeah, like I a, could see him as like the principal and like. Uh, breakfast club like if yeah. they couldn't get the guy that they got i can't remember his name but yeah know, he, he'd have him, like yeah. a power crazy performance for that that's a really good one. Oh yeah 
So yeah, I, I like Mr. Mom. I think it's really funny, and that's one I'll, I'll probably go back to. It's I kind of forgot about it until I went to this, and then I was like, this is really good. <laughs> oh yeah. And then my number one is Beetlejuice because I love Beetlejuice so much. I just that's one of my that's probably one of my favorite movies of all Beetlejuice time. Beetlejuice it up. Mm. Yeah. It's Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. pour me a glass of Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it probably is responsible for the kinds of movies I like today. And yeah, yeah, my love for Michael Keaton too. Oh yeah, love for horror movies. Love for Michael Keaton. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I love it. Uh, that's a good list. And you took some of the ones that I was originally going to go. I I wanted uh, clean sober originally, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a really good one. I'm I'm glad it's on one of our lists. It needs a mention. It absolutely not enough does. people talk about that. Not enough. No. Um, you know, I actually found it on DVD once, and it was like seventeen dollars for the clipper case. Whoa! Like that's how one. It shows that um people do really like it. The people who have seen it, but also it shows that this movie is really getting rare, and it is going to be forgotten about. So please see Clean and Sober mm-hmm. before it is forgotten about. Number three on my best uh, on my best list is uh, Much Ado About Nothing because this is my girlfriend's favorite movie and I really don't want to be in the doghouse, so it's going to be <laughs> on this list whether I like it or not. So um, you, you've talked about it a lot though in the past. Yeah. I, it's one I got to check out because it it sounds like it's really good and I just wouldn't expect Shakespeare out of Keaton. Oh yeah. I almost went um, Spider-Man Homecoming for my number three, but I thought, I thought about that too. too. Yeah, because he is a really good he- uh, villain in that movie, mm-hmm. and it just shows that he can do like a really good supporting role as well. You know, supporting yeah. roles are actually really hard to do. I've heard John C. Riley talk about them because it's like if you're the lead in the movie, you got so much time on set that you can like really carve out a good performance. But like, yeah, you're a supporting character. You got like two days to do something great. You know, you have to make Um, every moment count. Exactly. He does the, he does that with both of these and these are both hard roles to do. Um, but I'm putting much ado about nothing over Spider-Man homecoming because, um, I feel like he's in a little bit less of it, but also it's fucking Shakespeare, you know? Yeah. So there's way more range. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's using his his uh, comedic chops, which I really want to have somebody like uh, something on here that just shows purely like his comedic abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, we got Batman 1989. Just a great movie. One of the best like superhero movies ever. Um, Yeah. Really kind of started the whole thing. And then it end, it ended up actually kind of like ruining it. Yeah, itself. almost killing it. Almost killing it. But that's not Tim Burton or Michael Keaton's fault. That's all Joel Schumacher's. So yeah, we're good there. And then number one is Michael Keaton's probably I would say his best performance. It's uh, Birdman. I'd agree there. He uses comedy. Uses drama. I'm a theater lover. It's in the theater. Yeah, no, I love it. So. I'm happy to have this at my number one spot. Um, plus, it's one of my favorite directors, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaruto. I probably said that wrong, but forgive me. He's one of the best. And um, hope to see more from both him and Michael Keaton. Hopefully, Michael Keaton's 2020s are going to be good. Hopefully, it's not another dip like the 2000s were. Please, no. Please, no. Please do more like The Founder and uh, Birdman and, you know. Hell, maybe a Desperate Measures. Maybe a desperate measures. Come on, do a, <laughs> do Expendables four, buddy. Yes. 
That's it for this episode. Be sure to check us out on our Instagram at Greg and Matt Movie Chat, our Twitter, Halcon Media. We're also on YouTube, same handle over there, Podbean, Spotify. Find all the links I mention on halconmedia.com and come back next episode for Lynn Shelton. That's going to be a big one.